welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Dr. Bill Kanaski here with you. Valentine's Day special. Valentine's Day special. Actually, post-Super Bowl Valentine's Day special. Now, at the time I'm recording this, uh, I do not know the winner of the Super Bowl. That will be this weekend. Uh, I've got no dog in this fight. Uh, Two really good teams. Uh, The team I picked on this podcast did not deliver the Buffalo Bills. Uh, did not show up against the Cincinnati Bengals. And that wasn't even a game. And they were at home in a snowstorm. I mean, if you're Buffalo, I mean, you got home field advantage. Yeah, snowstorm. I mean, what more do you want? And they could not deliver. Bengals move on. Then Bengals could not be KC. A lot of controversy in that game. A lot of controversy in that game. People complaining about the refs. NFL's rigged. Is what I'm hearing. I don't know. But last year, you may remember my Valentine's Day rant. Um, yeah, that yeah, that got a lot of uh feedback. <laughs> uh, particularly from my female uh audience members and clients. Um, I'm sorry. It's a Hallmark holiday. Well, first off, it's not a holiday. Let's get that straight. Valentine's Day is not a holiday. Last year when I Went on my Valentine's Day rant. I went through the history of Valentine's. Look it up. It's not a very positive thing. Okay? Very, very bad. It's a very, very negative holiday and what they did to people. And you need to go look that up. Okay? But if I'm just telling you right now, if you are the guy stopping by a Walgreens or even worse, a gas station to pick up that last-minute gift, boy... Boy, I feel bad for you. Do something unique. Candy and flowers. This, come on. Come on, folks. You can do better than that. And why is it one day, what, one day a year you have to express your love and affection for that special someone? And the only reason you're doing it is because everybody else is doing it. Okay? There's no authenticity in this. It's a shame. It is a shame. And now that now society has the expectation, we're all supposed to go buy all these dumb gifts. And they're all the same. Roses. Box of candy. Ugh. Not really sure that's a positive thing. Given the diabetic health crisis in this country. <laughs> hey, go get your loved one a gym membership. See how that goes over. See, yeah, go, go, go to, um, go to Academy Sports or Dick Sporting Goods and say, honey, I love you. Here's a set of exercise bands and a gym membership. And I got a bag of oranges for you. And some spinach because I love you. And I want to make you healthy. I see that's love. That is what says love. I mean, what says love more than a nice container of, uh, Nutrient-rich spinach. That's fantastic. See, that's a Kanaski Valentine's Day right there. Oh boy, hopefully that got some laughs. Hey, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you a story because I got well, I got a really good topic for you today about jury selection. Because now everybody's going back to trial. Everybody's going back to trial, and I got a little little nugget for you. But I'm on vacation over the holidays, and we rent this house. Um, on uh, a big bear 
Mountain. Now, Big Bear Mountain's about two hours, depending on traffic, uh, from LA. So you fly LAX, and they have uh, great ski resorts up there. And over the Christmas holiday, took my family up there, and uh, beautiful views, um, great great time, and uh, great to great to un unplug unwind, get some good family time. And my son, my son says, "Hey, did uh, you know he's 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 pouring himself like a a glass of Gatorade or something, and he's like, uh, you know, this is this is warm. Do we have any ice?" And we're renting this house, right? So, uh, and this is an old school refrigerator. It doesn't have like the ice maker. I go, I go check in the freezer. My son, Dean. I said, Dean, check in the freezer. So he goes in the freezer and he comes, and I'm on the couch in the living room and he comes out and he goes, dad, what, what is this? I've never seen one of these before in my life. And I look up and he's holding an ice tray. Let me repeat that. He's holding an ice tray. Now, this is a kid that's he's 14 years old. He's only grown up with refrigerators that have ice makers. He has no he like he's looking like like it's an alien spaceship. Because what is this? I go, well, it's an ice tray. Well, what what do I do? I have to show the kid how to, you know, you turn it sideways, right? You twist, you turn, it breaks up the ice, and then you put the ice in your drink. Like, well, I've never seen that before. God, I'm getting old. Kid that he had no idea what an ice tray was. That's now that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Let's move on to our topic. Uh, well, I hope at this point, uh, this will be a Monday morning. So I hope you had a very safe uh Super Bowl Sunday. I hope uh you had fun. If your team is playing, hope they won. Um this Pro Bowl flag football game, I did not watch. Boycotting that, uh, embarrassingly bad NFL uh, business right there. That's a whole nother rant and podcast. But then you got Valentine's Day tomorrow. You got Valentine's Day tomorrow. So, um, boy, kind of a big week. Kind of a big week here. Let's talk about jury selection. Uh, there's better ways to ask questions in jury selection, particularly if you're a defense attorney. But this could work for plaintiff attorneys too. Okay, plaintiff attorneys, I know that you listen, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but there's some things on this podcast you can learn as well. This is just about being a better trial attorney. Okay, yeah, we talk about a lot of defense topics here. That's mostly what I do. Do some plaintiff work, commercial litigation, folks. I got two big commercial cases right now on the plaintiff side. Boy, do I love it. But if you're a trial attorney, okay, and you're going to be in jury selection, this tip is awesome. It's amazing. I wrote a paper on this, okay, specifically on assessing juror sympathy. But you can do this with many other areas, okay? So, so for example, say that you are a defense attorney, and you want to gauge anti-corporate attitudes, right? That's one of the main things you want to do. You're defending a corporation, and you want to, uh, during your voir dire, you want to assess jurors and their, their you know, feelings towards corporations. Well, a lot of attorneys, defense attorneys, will say, hey, uh, you know, does anybody here have you know, negative feelings towards corporations? You think they're greedy? 
They don't care about the environment, their profit over safety. You know, raise your hand. And that and and that, and that's that's been a tactic. That's a that's a methodology that's been used for a long time. Yeah, a couple people raised their hands. Okay, you're number five. Why do you? What, what's your issue with corporations? What? Why do you feel that way? Okay, that's a good way to do voir dire. It's a good way to do voir dire. But you got other people that aren't raising their hands. Why? Because there's a big difference. Now this is the crux of this podcast between a dichotomous variable and a continuous variable. Now this is research language that I'm using. Okay, it's kind of two ways to measure something. Well, there's more than two ways, but these are the primary two ways. You have dichotomous variables. Yes or no, do you believe this? Right? You got two choices. True or false? Agreed to, you know, raise your who who agrees that corporations are greedy? Raise your hand. That's a dichotomous variable where you're forcing your jurors into a two-pronged decision. <clears throat> okay. And again, that can work and it has worked. There's a better way to do it. And that's the continuous variable, okay? Meaning you're going to have more of a rating system. I like the zero to 10 scale. I like the zero to 10 scale. You can use this on any variable, but rather than saying, because you don't want people to hide, okay? One of the main mistakes trial attorneys, both plaintiff and defense make in jury selection is there's people out there that they're not, calling on because they're not raising their hand right now i understand you're in federal court different ball game this may not apply to federal courts you have the time but state court okay but you can challenge people okay and get out of this yes or no thing this dichotomous variable make them rate something on a continuous variable and there's two steps to this okay so you pick out a juror okay, this is not a hand raising thing okay you pick out a juror Maybe you start maybe with juror number one, right? And you're going to work your way around. If you have the time and you say juror number one, on a scale of zero to 10, how much, what's your rating on uh, on how how much you distrust the corp corporations in general? Zero to 10, what's your, what's your rating? Okay, so now we're, we're at a dichotomous. Now we're in continuous, which means we can measure the intensity of the variable okay that's step one so you want to get them to give you a number between zero and ten okay now rule number one if anybody gives you a zero or a ten they're full of shit they're lying too extreme too absolute okay so we're working on one to nine here okay so you get their number here's the next question okay say they give you a Six doesn't matter really what the number is. Okay, six. Okay, what? Well, why? Why are you a six? And they're going to tell you their experiences, their beliefs, whatever. Okay. Now, here's the next question, and here's the key to all this. Okay. Why are you not an eight or a nine? Give me six. Why are you not an eight or a nine? Explain that to me. Because now we're going to get to the heart of this decision. Okay. We're going to get to the heart of this decision. Then you follow up with that. Okay, well, how come you're not a one or a two? See where I'm going with this, folks? Your job is to elicit information from the juror. And all this hand raising stuff kind of 
gets the ball rolling, but you need the you need truthful, authentic answers here. And you got to get to the heart of it. And people don't like to talk. So you have to get them into this conversation. So it starts with the continuous variable, zero to 10. They're going to give you a number. And then whatever that number is, you're going to follow up on that. Now, here's the trick. It doesn't matter where they go on the scale. So say somebody says, uh, or say you reverse it, right? Say you're a plaintiff attorney. Okay, plaintiff attorney comes out and says, um, how 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 much do you trust corporations on a zero to 10 scale? And somebody comes out and they say, well, I'm an eight. Okay. A great follow-up question is, okay, you're an eight. Well, how come you're not a 10? Because you're, you're two clicks off here from being a 10. What, what about your beliefs or experiences? What, what makes the difference between an eight and a 10? Okay. Then you also follow up with that. Well, how come it's not a four? What, you know, what are your experiences and beliefs, right? So you're going to get the number. Here's the key to this. Okay. And if you want the paper, email me, bkanaski at courtroomsciences.com. And my paper is about assessing juror sympathy, but again, you can do this with any variable. Is you want to get the original number on a scale of zero to 10. And then you want to ask the two follow up questions about why they are not higher or lower on the extremes. And that's when you're going to start getting some really authentic answers from them versus the yes or no, do you trust companies? Yes. Why do you trust companies? Oh, I've had a good experience. Okay, next year. Well, I think that it doesn't get you very far, right? You need that detailed information on where are these views coming from? Positive experiences, bad experiences. Belief systems about how corporations do things, right? Okay. And you get that number. Now, here's here's the final part of this. This is a good part. If you get the number, okay, and it's a pretty extreme number, right? You're that, you know, eight, nine, 10 or whatever. And it's and that's something that you're looking for, right? You want extremists. People that say five, you know, they're middle of the middle of the road. You're setting up your cause challenge. Right? You're setting up your cause challenge. Because then you can tell the judge, yeah, you know, your honor. <laughs> I mean, on a scale of zero to ten. I mean, they rated themselves an eight. Okay. That's a really, really good argument in front of the judge versus the yes or no, right, question. Less effective of an argument. Less information, less rationale. Okay. So we want to attach these numbers to your cause challenge. All right. So that, let's go over that one more time. We're going to ask scale zero to 10 on the variable that you're interested in. And that will change whether you use positive or negative, whether you're a plaintiff attorney, whether you're a defense attorney. You want to get that number. And then you want to say, well, how come that number's not higher? What is it about you? What is it about your experience? Okay. You're a six. How come you're not an eight or a nine? 
How come you're not a one or a two? Okay. That's a really good way to start that conversation with yours. Make your voir dire better. Okay. It's not up in your grill. It's very conversational. Okay. But this does depend on how much time you have. If you're in state court and you got plenty of time and you got an important variable you need to measure, I think it's worth it going juror by juror. Okay. Now, as we know, if you have limited time or you're in federal court, um, this methodology may not work for you. But in a lot of state courts, it will. So I've had my clients uh, uh, both, both on these uh, defense cases, also in the plaintiff cases for commercial uh, litigation, use this tactic very, very effectively. Okay, use this tactic very, very effectively. And again, it's about getting quality information from the jurors that allows you to assess your jurors more accurately. And that's really what we're, I mean, that's really, really what we're doing here. Particularly now, you know, post-COVID, um, you know, people, a lot of people have changed. Uh, people do have a shorter fuse. Uh, the world's changed. A lot's, a lot's changed the last three years, right? And getting a sense of how things have changed in their lives is really important. And this is a really, really effective uh, methodology. So using that continuous variable, get a rating. Now, technically you could use, you know, zero through five or whatever, but I, I like the zero through 10. Everybody knows what that is. Okay. Everybody knows what that is. It's easy to follow along and people, yeah, you, you force them to give you a number. Then they got to justify the number. If they just give you a yes or no, okay, the burden of justification on them is not very, it's not very high. And you want to get to the why. You want to get to the why. You know, now that we're going back to trials a lot more, because I'm getting a lot of calls uh, on jury selection, um, everybody's kind of rusty, you know, everybody, defense attorneys, plaintiff attorneys. And, um, Things have changed. And so uh, putting some uh, more time and thought into your uh, voir dire plan should be strategic, right? We talked about this before. How much are you assessing versus indoctrinating? Okay. Now, depending on your judge, you may get a little slap on the wrist there if you're indoctrinating too much. But you better, particularly if your adversary is, Okay, particularly on issues like damages, you better indoctrinate. <laughs> okay, as well as assess. If you do too much of either, you're going to be in trouble. If you assess too much, that's great. You have great assessment, but you're not planting your seeds about your case. And you're going to be starting off coming from behind. But if you're planting too many seeds and you're not assessing, a judge gets pissed at you, probably, and b you're not you haven't assessed enough, so your strikes aren't as effective as they could or should be. Okay. All right. So that's today's podcast, Vordir. Uh, I think that's a really good tip for both plaintiff and defense attorneys using that continuous variable. I think you're going to get better information, get more information. Okay, and then challenge them on that number. How come you're not higher? How come you're not lower? And then they will start to express those feelings to you. And that's what you want. That's really, really what you want. 
Anyway, I uh, got some more really good podcasts coming up uh, for you guys. Um, a couple of brief updates. Work very, very busy. A lot of witness training going on. And simultaneously, a lot of early, early focus groups. Okay. Taking a page out of the plaintiff book. Hey, hats off to the plaintiff's bar. They do a lot of jury research and they do it early. Why? They're smart. Say what you want. They are smart. They get answers. They get answers early. And knowledge is power. Okay? Knowledge is power. A lot, a lot of my defense clients, because I've been preaching this for years, have finally gotten on board. And now they're doing their jury reads. A, they're doing it, <laughs> which is a huge step. B, they're doing it early. Because the earlier you have that information on how jurors feel about liability, causation, damages, you make better decisions on that file. You make better decisions on that case. It can guide your discovery. Okay? can help with the preparation of your experts or how to attack the other side's experts. Okay? So both plaintiff and defense attorneys can both use these focus groups early. Plaintiff's been doing it a long time. They got a good system. Defense starting to do it. So I like it. I like what I see. Early research, early knowledge, better decisions, okay? I love it. Litigation Psychology Podcast. This is Dr. Bill Kanaski. We'll see you next time.